Hello, kiddies. It's your old pal, the Crypt Keeper. And you're listening to Three Guys in a Flick. The good, the bad, and the gruesomely absurd. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Oh, America. I wish that I could tell you that this was still America, but I've come to realize that you can't have a country without people. And there are no people here. No, my friends. This is now the United States of Zombieland. <laughs> Welcome back. You are listening to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Zombieland. Beware, spoilers. Coming to you from, well, Zombieland, my name is Don, and to my right we have our comic book guy, John. Okay, let me begin my three-part apology by saying I think you are a wonderful human with great potential. You get... 45% power. And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. Hello, everybody. How are you guys doing tonight? Swell. Zombitastic. How about zombitastic? Zombitastic. <laughs> what about you? How are you doing? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good. It's uh, another day, another recording. Did you get much sleep last night? No, why? Kind of looked like The Walking Dead. Oh, wow. Well. Uh, no, I was outside watering my lawn and there was this guy walking up and down the street. And so naturally I had to go see what was up and he got real mouthy, bitey. So I, I got this sore. It's like, it's like a bite. No big deal. No big deal. We'll be okay. Need to get it checked out after the show. Yeah. After the show, I think I will. That's, that's a swell idea, buddy. Tonight we are talking about Zombieland. Zombieland comes to us because, well, John wanted to watch Zombieland. Uh, so, hey, John. Why Zombieland? Well, ever since I saw the movie Evil Dead 2, I've kind of had a thing for horror comedy type movies. Uh, movies like This is the End, Gremlins, Cabin in the Woods, Bubba Hotep, or Monster Squad. Just those kind of movies that have that kind of thriller horror aspect, but also represent the comedy that we also enjoy. There are a lot of zombie movies out there, and to me at least... This was the first one that I really saw where they took like a zombie apocalypse and gave it kind of a comedic edge to it with also, you know, basically being a parody of the whole, you know, zombie apocalypse type movies. And with a talented cast, very quotable writing and skillful direction, I felt like Zombieland delivers exactly what I enjoy in, in a zombie or in a horror type comedy. Shaun of the Dead does it better, but it, but it comes out years before, and, well, you haven't seen it, so I don't, I don't fault you for that. Well, also... Actually, no, I do fault you for that, because you had that much time to see it. Well, Shaun of the Dead was actually one of the inspirations for this movie. I know. And the only reason why I have not watched it yet is you guys have mentioned it so much, I'm saving my, you know, pop my cherry on it when we decide to review it. Okay, well, we can't wait to pop hear, your cherry. Hear how disappointed you are about it. <laughs> I think you'll like it. I think so too. I'll Maybe. be holding it up against Zombieland. Yeah, well, I personally think it's better than Zombieland, but that's just me. Released on October 2nd, 2009, Zombieland was directed by Ruben Fischer. Screenplay by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. And it stars Woody Harrelson, 
Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, Abigail Breslin, and a bunch of other zombies. How'd this movie do, Don? This movie was made for $24 million and brought in $102 million. So not too bad. Did you guys see this in the theater when it came out? Oh, yeah. In fact, I think I uh, did a date night with this movie. Oh, you did? Yeah, because I thought it was a perfect date movie. I don't see why you wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. What about you, sir? No, I did not see it in the theater. Had you seen it before we watched it for this? Uh, several times. Oh, okay. Well, this one is fun. Mm-hmm. You know, there there is no question about that. This movie is definitely a fun movie. So did the night end with sort of a 406 vibe to it? There was a lot of biting, yes. Ah, he's a biter. That doesn't surprise me. Uh, as far as zombie movies go, uh, are you guys well-versed in zombie movies? Have you seen a lot of zombie movies, either of you? Well, I've seen all of the Night of the Living Dead movies. Oh, yeah? Uh, and always enjoyed them. Even the you know the very first black and white one, even though the ending I wasn't really thrilled with, but uh, I've always kind of enjoyed those. Uh, yeah, I've always kind of been a fan of the zombie genre. What about you, sir? I really couldn't care less about zombie movies. Zombies in general, I think are, uh, I don't think that they're a strong uh, story arc. And I think that this zombie land does something differently than most other zombie things that I've seen. We have a sense of uh, emptiness, right? And there's not a lot of other people in this movie other than zombies. And I think that it's uh, more creepy to see the, the lack of people in the movie and to have this feeling of isolation and so few other people. It, it's scarier that way to me. Oh, sure. Uh, the other thing that we also get in this movie is we get a uh, reveal as to why there is a zombie outbreak. Most zombie movies, you don't necessarily get that. It's just there are zombies. I, I believe I've asked this before, but neither of you guys are fans of the Walking Dead series. You know, I've never seen it, but I've always wanted to watch it. I mean, I like zombies as much as the next guy. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, you do it right, and um, there are stories to be told using zombies, but I agree with you, Professor. They're never really the the arc of anything. You know what I mean? If you look at zombie movies ever since Night of the Living Dead, there's always that human element that fucks with something. You know what I mean? And I agree with you, Professor. This one did give us a sense of isolation. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of other humans to complicate things. You know, things just got complicated on their own with our four protagonists. You know, so, um, yeah, Zombieland does it just a little bit different. You know what I mean? While paying homage to a lot of things. But, yeah, I like the zombie movie. Did you know who was originally set to direct this movie? John Carpenter. Yeah, and I guess from what I've read, uh, he was planning on doing what was originally going to be a TV series. But when they decided to make it a movie, he didn't want to invest that much time into it. He would rather invest into a TV series. So he dropped out. Yeah. That would have been a curious take. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, has he done many comedies? I can't think of a comedy that John Carpenter has done. Uh, Well, I wouldn't classify Zombieland as a comedy. Well, a horror slash comedy. Right, but I think John Carpenter would... To answer your question, I don't know of any comedies right off the top of my head that he has done, but I think if he does Zombieland, I think the horror element would be more pronounced than the comedy. Uh, But there there would be comedy aspects because that's the way it's written. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it would have been an interesting, interesting take. Do you know our connection of this movie to Princess Bride? No, I have no idea. When it came time for final rewrites... 
William Goldman was brought in to help with the rewrites. Oh, yeah. There you go. So he was the original writer of the Princess Bride story. I think we could probably take every movie that we've reviewed and find a common thread. Connection somewhere? Yeah, connection somewhere. Kind of like a Kevin Bacon thing? Kind of. And I think, I bet you we could do it chronologically. Yeah, probably. (laughs) So, Well, let's try it with our next movie. Well, there you go. So speaking of writing, the writers, uh, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, they are uh, responsible for another movie that are... Another two movies, actually, in which when you hear the movie that they also wrote together, you'll go, oh, yeah, I totally see that. Do you know what other movie or two movies I am speaking of? The Hitman Bodyguard Wife. No, sir. Um, Zombieland 2 Double Tap. No, sir. Besides that. Um, oh. Uh, uh, Deadpool. Oh, did they really? Yep. Oh, they wrote with Ryan Reynolds? Yep. Oh, wow. I can see that because that comedy does feel fairly same. Yeah. yeah. What'd you guys think of this cast? The cast I felt made the movie. You know, Woody Harrelson, I thought, I felt like he stole the show. Was it, is it Michael Eisenberg? Michael Sarah. Uh, Michael. Je- Jesse? It's Jesse Eisenberg. Just, Do you, you know who Michael Sarah is, though, right? Yeah. From This is the uh, Super Bad. Scott and, Pilgrim. Yeah. They're like the same person. No, They're I, interchangeable. Yeah. I was. I was making a joke. I know, but I'm almost, I thought he was the guy from Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> oh my God, that's funny. Yeah. I really did. Jesse Eisenberg and Woody Harrelson, while I'm not a big Jesse fan typically, I thought they were the dynamic duo in this movie. I thought they did a fantastic job. Uh, the other two, the the girls, they did an okay job. That I felt like they could have been replaced at any time and we still would have had such a great movie with that original pairing. What about you? Um, I think that Woody Harrelson was um, a bright spot. I really enjoyed him in this. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg, I'm not a big fan of, and he's interchangeable with Michael Sarah. I thought it as I was watching it and looking away, I saw Michael Sarah's face when I heard the dialogue. And then as I started to pay attention to that, as the movie went along, I said, this movie would probably probably be just the same with Michael Sarah in this role. You yeah, I mean? because they, they both play uh, insecure, nerdy guys that are not heroes. Yeah, yeah. And so um, that being said, I thought he was fine in this and very stomachable because, I mean, I like the movie. And I like Emma Stone and uh, Abigail Breslin. I, nope. thought that, I, thought they, I thought they did a great job. I bought that they were sisters. I bought that they were con artists. Um, and the four of them and us just focusing on the four of them you get to know them, and I thought the four of them had great chemistry. So I think that's what carried this film. You know, that and that witty dialogue that comes from the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought all four of these characters uh, really uh, gelled well on screen. And the characters are, are very uh, richly pulled out, and each one, in their own sense, are very likable. I think it was uh, really a treat to see a young Emma Stone at the beginning of her career here, because this is, you know, all she had before this was, what was that? That was, uh, was it super bad. Yeah, it was super bad. And then the year after, and then the year after that, then she goes on to do easy a, and then from there she goes on and she's Gwen, you know, in the Spider-Man movies, but we get to see an early Emma stone. And I thought that she really shown in this movie. And I got to say, I I really thought that she was a, a gem of a character the dialogue that all of our characters get to have together, I, I think, work very well. I agree. I agree. 
Uh, and speaking of Emma Stone, uh, she was originally cast as another part in this movie. She was supposed to be for 406. Yeah. And I guess the director liked her so much, he moved her up into this position. Well, thank God he did, because if had we got Amber Heard as... No, no, uh, no, 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 no. Megan oh, Fox no. was originally one of them that they were... I'm just, I'm just saying, because Amber Heard goes on to become 406. So if we had gotten her as Wichita, that would have sucked. Totally. Yeah. Plus, I mean, how many people going back and watching this movie recently cheer when Jesse Eisenberg knocks her out with the toilet thing? Right? <laughs> Maggie watched this with you? Because if she did, she probably would have cheered when Amber Heard got knocked she the did fuck not, out. She did not watch it with me. Yeah, she well, has watched go. it with me before. Yeah. I will tell you that Julie did watch this movie with me. Did she like it? Well, she informed me that uh, whatever rating I give it will determine whether or not we stay married. Uh, I'm not sure how to take that. So in other words, if I go too high with my rating, it's over. Why? She did not like this movie. She doesn't like any movie. So why is your marriage in the balance on this one? She loved Princess Bride. That's not what I asked you. When I told her what I was thinking about rating it, her response was, it's like I don't even know you. Uh, I was surprised to see Abigail Breslin. Oh, hey, she's she's the girl from Little Miss Sunshine. And then I, I come to surpri- surprise, surprise, she was the, the, the little one in Signs. That's where I go to first. Because it was before Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah. But when I saw it, I'm like, oh, yeah, she's a little one from fucking science. So do you guys have another Woody Harrelson movie that you dig? Because clearly the three of us are, are jiving on on Tallahassee. Uh, I like Woody Harrelson in a bunch of things, really. Uh, he He's grown on me uh, over the years. Uh, I remember early on when he was on Cheers, uh, I was in a huge fan. And then when White Man Can't Jump came out, I didn't like how that movie ended, so that put, kind of put a sour taste in my mouth for Woody. Yeah, that movie, the, the ending sucked on that movie. Yeah, it really did. But now, um, I've liked everything he's done over the past 20 years. For me, you know, I agree with you, Don. I used to really like him on Cheers. And then when he did Natural Born Killers, it was such a reversal of his character and such a huge departure I don't know if I liked it the first time I saw it, but then it really grew on me, and I really liked how he played that character. Oh, Natural Born Killers is a great movie. Mm -hmm. We should put that in the helmet. What about you? Do you have a favorite Woody role? I don't necessarily have a favorite role of his, but there's been a lot of of really memorable things. I thought he was really good in The People vs. Larry Flint. I also really thought that he was a badass, and it, it hurt when his character goes the way that he goes in No Country for Old Men. He played such a sophisticated, badass type of guy. He's just like, oh, I, 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 didn't, like, I didn't like how that ended. Another one that I, uh, I, I think that he is really good in is uh, uh, the Three Billboards. Yeah, that was a really good movie. Yeah, and then uh, last but not least, uh, I liked him as Beckett in Solo. Yeah, yeah, he played the part. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do they mention Zombie Kill of the Week in the... Zombie Kill of the Week originates in the television uh, pilot and eventually got carried over into the production. Right. What did you guys think of that whole concept? I thought it was hilarious. I, I love the fact that this this movie incorporated ideas of it was almost a comic book feel while at the same time a video game feel while at the same time a movie feel. And all those little like 
the words that popped up on screen or would fall all around in the background. And when they did like the zombie kill, kind of the video game vibe, I really dug it. I thought it was great. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun as well. You know, it, the, the opening scene when we uh, see uh, the letters get affected by what's happening in the moment. If somebody is crashing through the letters and the letters are spinning or that they get uh, they they get uh, pushed out of the way or, you know, as John was saying, it, it, just having that interesting three-dimensional feel to it that it's part of it and then it becomes affected by what's happening on screen. Right. Right. And, I agree. And just the idea that in this universe, apparently everybody knows what everybody else is up to, that, you know, Columbus could know someone else out there got some, you know, amazing zombie kill is, is just, it worked in the movie. It's not, you never questioned it. Right. Yeah. It was just one of those things that you went with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and as Professor was saying about the TV pilot that they were going to have a character every episode get some zombie kill of the week. Um, oh, definitely a running gag. Did you hear why that like after the movie was over, they actually tried to do a zombie land TV series. Did you hear why it got canceled before it even, uh, really aired the first episode? Nope. Mm-mm. Uh, I believe the first episode showed up on Amazon, uh, Amazon prime and the fans of the movie had such resentment towards it, such spite towards it that Amazon canceled the movie and the director who was the director of this movie was also the director of the TV series, uh, thanked the fans for killing the series. Well, well, there you go. The people have spoken. So one of the other big things that goes on in this movie that I don't think I'd ever seen in any zombie movie before was the rules. The, basically the rules of how to survive zombie land. Uh, what'd you guys think of this whole idea of rules? Oh, I thought it was great. Um, there is a, a zombie apocalypse survival handbook mm-hmm. uh, that came out years ago, uh, well before this movie. So it makes sense that there are rules. And the fact that uh, we get the rules, I, I thought it was a nice little touch. It was, a, it was very campy. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys have a rule that stood out to you as a, a great rule? Um, I think... You know, off the top of my head, if it were me and I was in a zombie apocalypse, yeah, looking in the back seat, I think is huge. Beware of bathrooms, double tap for sure. You know, all of them, they all just make sense. Any of them stand out to you, Ken? Uh, double tap. That's where I was going to go to. And I agree with you, Don. My first thought when they said the back seat rule was that's the one thing that everyone always complains about in horror movies. You never look behind you, and you never look in the back seat. So it's nice to see them actually call those things out in this movie. I look in the back seat every time I get in the car. Every time. And that's why you're still with us. That's right. Because I've been watching horror movies for a very long time. Elise and her friend uh, took the train to Portland this week uh, to go shopping. And she texts me and she says, uh, we're going to a haunted mansion. And I text her back and I said, you understand that's how horror movies start, right? And she said, yep. And then I just believed that she would rely on her training from the horror movies to keep her safe. And well, she came home just fine. And that's why you're a good father. Well, hey, thanks, you her. <laughs> Is it trivia time? Well, yes, Don. I believe it would be trivia time. In our continuing pursuit to crown the master of movie trivia, I have prepared a series of questions related to the movie we are reviewing this episode. Please wait until I finish each question before answering. 
Before the opening credits, a series of rules are given to survive the zombie attacks. Which of the following is not a rule shown? Beware of bathrooms, cardio, headshots only, double tap. Headshots only. Very good, Ken. Fucker. At the start of the movie, Columbus tells us that he's returning from college and going to see if his parents are still alive. Where does he say his parents live? Columbus, Ohio. Very good, Ty. What is the room number of Columbus's hot neighbor? 406. Tallahassee and Columbus shop at a grocery store to see if there are any of his favorite confections in it. Twinkies. When they enter the store, Tallahassee plays an instrument to attract the zombies. What instrument does he play? Banjo. Banjo. I think you guys have seen this movie. When Tallahassee says, you have a purdy mouth to a zombie in the grocery store, what movie is that taken from? Deliverance. Where is it that Little Rock and Wichita are heading? Uh, Pacific Playland. Very good. Dick. <laughs> he didn't even fucking notice. I, I, I But let me guess. Ty? Whatever, dude. What? Oh, you muted? <laughs> See? He didn't even fucking notice. While stopping in the middle of the night at a store filled with Native American items, Tallahassee kills a zombie and asks if that was Zombie Kill of the Week. Who does Columbus say wins the Zombie Kill of the Week? Sister, Sister Catherine Knickerbocker. Knickerbocker. It was Cynthia Knickerbocker. And how did she do it? With a piano. She dropped a piano on a zombie. And this will be the final question. How many times do the girls hijack the boys' vehicles? Twice. Three times. Goes to Don. It's three times. They steal it. Very first time from the grocery store, they steal it on the highway, and then when they're at Bill Murray's mansion, they take the car again. But do, but they steal it with them in it. Does that count? Not from Bill Murray's place. On the highway. Well, they keep them in it, but they're still hijacking the vehicle. They're taking over the vehicle at gunpoint. Is it still stealing it, though? Yeah. Even with them in it? Yeah. And then they put the guns down? Yeah. They technically hijacked them. That's how carjacking works. Oh. I wouldn't know. I haven't been carjacked. Okay. So there you go. I was about to say you were the winner this round, but I'm thinking about now making Ken the winner for all the questions. Okay, you win this one. So <laughs> we have a tie. Two months since a strain of mad cow disease mutated to become infectious to humans and turn them into zombies, survivors of the epidemic are advised to use their city of origin as nicknames when meeting other survivors, so as not to get attached to them and protect themselves. Columbus, a former college student with a unique set of zombie survival rules, travels from Austin, Texas towards Columbus, Ohio to search for his parents. On the way, he meets Tallahassee who reluctantly agrees to accompany Columbus toward Ohio. On the way, he mentions to Columbus that he misses his puppy, Buck, who was killed by zombies. So this movie opens up with a quick narration, um, just kind of giving us a quick lay of the land. And then uh, after that quick introduction, it cuts to probably one of my favorite opening credit sequences in a long time. I love this opening credit sequence, and mainly because of the song they got to use to score it. Was that the Metallica? Yeah. Master of Puppets? For Whom the Bell Tolls. Oh, For Whom the Bell Tolls. Yeah. 
and it just it just gets you going it just it just turns it up to 11 and you know we start the movie off all the slow-mo stuff yeah apparently we had a cameo during the opening credits there was a man in a white tuxedo with an assault rifle that was one of the writers Rhett reese so yeah we have the rules first and then the intro Right, and it just gives us a quick breakdown of what we're in store for. And in case we missed it, after the credits, we're introduced to Columbus, and he walks us through the rules while actually going through the whole motions. One of the interesting things I thought was the guy, there was a lot of, I think, connections that I missed uh, the first time through this movie, even the second time. I had to look for it this last time. Was like, for example, the man being chased on the football field who gets you know, chewed on by the zombie eventually is also one of them that shows up at the grocery store as a zombie. The man in the bathroom, uh, when, when Columbus is talking about, you know, don't go to the bathrooms is the same guy at the gas station who got conned. Do you know who that guy is by chance real quick? No, I only recognize him from school of rock. That's because he helped write school of rock. That's Mike white. Uh, uh, he actually, I think he wrote school of rock. Oh, so yeah. So little things like that I didn't connect, but I guess they reuse people throughout the movie. Oh, sure, sure. Attention to detail, mm-hmm. right? I did like, you know, the way they delivered these rules and the way that kind of Columbus has revealed to how this guy who just seems like he would be the first victim to go in a zombie apocalypse, how he has survived this long. And you get the sense that he's not really the heroic type, uh, but he's smart. He wants to take a shit. And he has this bad feeling about the bathroom because one of his rules is beware the bathroom. And he was right. But I like the bit where he's running laps. Where he uh, runs the circle in the parking lot. He runs it the one time, drops the keys, knows that they're coming up on him and takes off again. It's, it's, a mar- it's almost like a video game level. Yeah, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, it, it's good. And then, of course, naturally, the door's unlocked. But... There's a zombie did in the you, back. Yeah, I was going to say, did you notice that he broke that one rule? When he got in the car, he didn't check the back seat? Yeah. Well, it's rule 31, and right now, these are the first four rules. And mm-hmm. so we don't know when this first of the first four rules, how far back was it? Maybe he wasn't up to 31 yet. Yeah, maybe that's when he wrote that rule. Oh, possibly. Possibly. But why did it become rule 31? It seems like it should have come up sooner. Yeah, maybe. Well, maybe he, while he was creating these rules, he didn't have a car. Maybe he was walking. And then we cut to him walking along the highway, and you have all the cars on the freeway that have been abandoned. Uh, and then we meet Tallahassee. What do you guys think of this? I loved how they introduce him as coming up, and then they have the big standoff, which seemed to go on forever. And they're both like, eh, okay. I like when we see Tallahassee's car. Uh, he's got the cowcatcher on it, and it's to move you know, cars out of the way. And you can tell that he's put some thought into it. And I guess my question would be, if you're two humans and you know you're not infected and you're pointing guns at each other, I mean, Columbus does the smart thing. You know what I mean? He relents, he concedes, and at the same time, asks him for a ride. So he picks him up. Yeah, that was a good delivery, how he gradually extends his arm to stick his thumb out. Yeah. And then... uh we get to know Tallahassee and Columbus a little bit. They, you know, talk, no names, that whole bit. And then um, they find the hostess truck. <laughs> I like this bit, too, because uh, 
Columbus is like, you're gonna, we're gonna risk our lives for some Twinkies, and then Tallahassee's like, yeah. And so, what does Columbus do? He starts limbering up, which is rule number eighteen. And uh, I like what he does with the gun. And uh, <laughs> Tallahassee looks at him and goes, "Are you fucking with me?" <laughs> but he gives a great uh, gives a great example of why you don't necessarily need to limber up. Does a lion limber up before it takes an antelope down? And uh, and Columbus is like, "Huh, that's a really good point." <laughs> when he when they finally got down there, he opened up and it was all the snowballs. I was actually kind of excited because I actually prefer snowballs over Twinkies. Oh, I bet you do. I bet you are a snowballing motherfucker, aren't you? Yeah, I always have a set of pink ones around the house. I bet you do. Yeah, I'm not a big one. I'm not a big snowballer because I like Tallahassee. It's the whole coconut thing for me. It's not. I don't mind the taste. It's the texture. Yeah, it feels like sawdust or something in your mouth. Yeah, yeah, it does. So we know that this is going to become an ongoing theme, and I think it's cute. The other thing I thought was kind of interesting is when uh, Tallahassee tells the story of Buck, his dog. My first thought when I saw this was that's why he's kind of taking on Columbus because he almost sees that that relationship, that here's something that that needs to be taken care of. Yeah, maybe. I just assume it was because he was another human being. You know, if you're alone for that long... It's going to be nice to have interaction. And if you guys are okay with each other, then awesome. I thought when uh, we are first told about Buck, when he's when Woody's feeding him the syrup, I remember thinking when I saw it, well, that's fucking weird. I didn't put it together. Yeah, because it was out of left field. Yeah. yeah. If you're giving it, I mean, the bath makes sense. The cuddling and kissing makes sense. But all that fucking syrup. You're gonna kill the fucking dog. Yeah, I thought this was gonna be a puppy snuff film. <laughs> you thought you oh you thought we got to see the zombies get the puppy? Well, just the fact, you know, they're talking about but when I found out it wasn't, you know, the dog that got killed, I was more okay with the movie. Oh, I I, I bet you were. After the hostess truck, Columbus has to take a shit. And so I thought it was cool that Tallahassee was waiting for him outside, kind of keeping guard. And you know, he goes in, uh, Columbus goes in and checks all the stalls, which I think any rational person would do right mm-hmm. yeah, and then right. This, and then this is where we get columbus's backstory and i will say this real quick about all of their backstories because there's really only three of them uh, i like where they're placed and how they're done uh columbus is taking a shit we have a moment to breathe now let's now let's tell the story we also find out about his clown issue right which is funny because uh in real life uh the actor's mother was a, a party clown that's ironic 406 yeah, I, I just thought that it was a uh, a good time to show us, the audience, how long this transformation takes place because, you know, we don't necessarily know how quickly it happens. And so the fact that, you know, we have her come in and then once she comes in and she falls asleep and he wakes up and there she is looking not good. Oh, and, and then he tries to talk to her, right? And why wouldn't you? Well, he doesn't know anything about a zombie apocalypse. Exactly. Yet. He just assumes that <laughs> oh she's sick. God. Are you okay? Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm amazed he gets away from her. When when Julie and I were watching this movie last night, and we're seeing that he is this guy who's playing like World of Warcraft and drinking the Mountain Dew and has the stack of pizza boxes and all that, she just looked over at me and says, "You you are Columbus, aren't you?" <laughs> and I was like, well, "Yeah, quite possibly." But that was a satisfying uh, smash to her head with the toilet seat cover. I like the bit where she's breaking her own ankle. You see the 
bone pop out. And, and he's then, trying to walk down the hallway. Yeah. Is this the, I guess this is where he invented the double tap? This is where the rule comes into effect. And if you know anything about zombies, you always shoot them in the head. Do you think his, the fact that he was a geek and the fact that he played video games, that that helps him with the whole zombie thing of accepting it and being able to deal with it? Because I feel like, you know, playing so many, so many of these games, I know what to do if I'm ever faced with a, gombl- a goblin or a vampire or any of those, because I've played those games. But what happens when you confront these things and it's not what you expect? Well, it has to be, because the games wouldn't lie to me. <laughs> uh, does it give him an advantage? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I think if I was in a zombie apocalypse, I would want to team up with Tallahassee. <sighs> yeah. So... I don't know. What do you think? No, I don't think it gives him any advantage at all. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm starkly surprised that he is somebody that has some sort of cardio, considering what a couch potato he was. Right, but he's so thin and small. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and he's probably used to running from the bullies. Yeah, maybe. And well, to be fair, uh, he only did two laps, and his cardio was blinking like it was running out. We get another brief little moment when they're going down the highway and we get to watch Tallahassee open up the car door to hit the zombie just for fun. And I like how Columbus says that he, he can see that Tallahassee really hates the zombies. Right. And then he tells a story about Buck, but it's almost like uh, Tallahassee gets joy from it. And as they're watching the zombies on the, on the ground and the ones eating the other one, uh, he says, it makes me feel, and Tallahassee's like hungry. And Columbus is like, I'm really worried about you. And then he drives and hits him with the fucking door. That made me laugh. Mm-hmm. The pair meet con artist sisters Wichita and Little Rock who trick Tallahassee and Columbus and steal their weapons and escalate after Little Rock feigns being bitten by a zombie. The two men find a yellow Hummer H2 loaded with weapons and continue on before running into another trap set by the girls, who take them hostage. Tallahassee steals his gun back and has a standoff with Wichita until Columbus intervenes saying that they have bigger problems to worry about, resulting in an uneasy truce between them. I have to say, when they arrive at the grocery store and the whole setup of the grocery store, one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Oh, I thought it was fun. Uh, I love the fact that, you know, they pull up. And they're only doing this because he wants a fucking Twinkie. You know what I mean? But he gets the banjo and he gets his tools. And I like how he go, they go to the front of the store and put their back behind a wall so they know that no one's coming after him. And then he plays the tune and he draws them all out just to get rid of them out of the way. Woody Harrelson actually learned to play the the banjo just for this scene. Oh, it looked like it. Yeah. It it looked like he was having fun. Mm. You know what I mean? My question is, is after he uses his weapons, he throws them down. Yeah. What's up with that? Why would you do that? Yeah. Hold on to him. Because I believe something that he hints at, he's always going for that zombie kill of the week and he wants to do it a different way each time. Yeah, but why get rid of your weapons? I don't know. I'm sure he's going to come back out and pick them up later. Well, no, not really, because somehow, magically, Emma Stone comes walking out. Yeah, and where was she when all these zombies were roaming around the grocery store? Were they just sitting back there being quiet, maybe? I think so. It just seemed kind of weird. Or maybe they showed up at the same time and were coming in through the back. Or maybe, maybe they were stuck back there, and they were scared 
for the because the zombies might get them if they were to come out. Maybe. Maybe. But she comes out, and I thought that this ruse that the girls pull on them is fucking brilliant. I thought it was funny. My only thought, and maybe it's just because they, you know, figured out the boys real quick, is what if uh, Woody Harrelson was quicker on the draw? What if he had pulled the trigger quicker? Well, then the same thing would have happened to Little Rock that happened to Bill Murray. Yeah. What if he just raised the gun and boom, I just... Pulling, like pulling a Band-Aid. I thought, it, I thought about that, too, but Emma Stone gets to him pretty quick. You know, he doesn't really have... He, he, it almost looks like he's about to settle in to start to mm-hmm. do it, but, I mean... The other question I had was, maybe this isn't so true, but I got the impression earlier on that Tallahassee really didn't trust anyone. He barely trusted Columbus, but now he's so trusting of these two girls that he just met. Well, his heart went out to him. Yeah. They, they played him up. And boys are dumb, so oh, yeah. what are you going to do? Fucking bitches, double cross like that? Who does that help? Hey, man, uh, nobody. And Columbus even says it. He says, why are you guys doing this? Totally. Why, why Why does it have to be like this, right? But they're not trusting. And if you think about it, during a zombie apocalypse, you have two you know, cute girls, basically. They're probably in the most danger from actually normal humans as well as zombies. Yeah, well, so, but, I mean, you take one look at Columbus. Yeah. Come on. He could be the, the skeeviest of them all. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Uh, you got to watch Walking Dead, I'm telling you. Uh, there was a nod to Walking Dead in this. Did you see it? Mm-mm. The ranger uh, in the ranger outfit it was supposed to look like, uh, what's the main actor's name? Rick? Rick Grimes? Yeah, Rick Grimes. Yeah, it kind of. Apparently, this movie and Walking Dead used a lot of the same locations. Oh, so the girls steal the car, um, which exactly, Professor, as you you know said, when I first saw this, I thought, wow, what bitches stealing the car from them, you know, stealing everything from them, especially Tallahassee, because I kept thinking, the way that car was set up, that must mean something to him. But luckily, they just wander down the street, and there's a, a Hummer full of guns, thanks to a redneck that died. What does he say? Thank you for rednecks or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was something like that. The first time I saw it, I thought, well, how convenient. Then I thought, wait, this is not a movie you're supposed to take seriously. This is, you know, of course things like this are going to happen. Oh, this one you do that too? Yes. Okay. Because right. it's set up early on. Oh, of course, of course. Always a reason. I was curious about how that situation came to be. The, the doors are shut and the guy's hands are still on the steering wheel. Where did the rest of them go? The winds, the wind blew the door shut. Who knows? Yeah, I, I just look at, it and it's like, huh? I wonder what that story is. Uh, because I, I think what happened was uh, when they were making it, the director's like, "Hey, we should put two arms and hands on the steering wheel. That way, Woody can use them to flip them off." That was that was that was the basis of the whole gag. <laughs> I did like the, the little bit of tension as he's walking up towards the car and you see the hands thinking that there's probably a zombie or something in there. And then you get up there and it's kind of like a Jurassic Park thing where there's only a couple hands left. Yeah. And uh, Columbus lets uh, Tallahassee, you know, do his thing. He told him to take his time. So Tallahassee's out there shooting the Uzi and painting the three on the door. And we get Van Halen's Everybody Wants Some, which I thought was a, a nice little touch. And they take off. But then they come across... Their original car broken down. 
Why are we not looking behind the barrels of hay? The bales of hay. I totally thought the same thing. They're right behind the the hay bales. Why are you not looking out there? And you're in a fucking Hummer. I'm pretty sure you can drive around the whole fucking area. And why did you park so far away? And I don't know. You know what I mean? So it was almost like they were asking to get fucking nabbed again. What was it that they were going after? The, The guns that got away or what? Like, why didn't they just drive past? Revenge, man. Uh, Columbus tells uh, Tallahassee, uh, the person who's planning revenge should dig two graves. <laughs> and I like what Tallahassee. I like what Tallahassee says. Yeah, one grave for the big one and one grave for the little one. <laughs> I also like how he says, uh, "Be ready to shoot one if uh, if they try something. Please try something." Yeah. So yeah, it's a fucking trap. And I like how uh, when Tallahassee gets back into the car, he. He's all right, let's go. And Columbus is looking at him and he just stops and goes, they're in the back seat, aren't they? <laughs> but as it turns out, the girls decide not to leave them and they all kind of take off. And Tallahassee takes the gun away and we have this standoff. And this is where uh, Columbus has his big speech saying, why can't we all just get along? And it works. It works for the time being. So now we have this um uneasy alliance yeah but uh, but an alliance nonetheless yeah. and i like the conversations that go on during this i don't know if you do you call it a montage or do you just call it the just quick scene changes where they're all switching into the driver's seat and just talking a lot of that apparently was ad-libbed oh i believe it i believe it absolutely um it's just a scene you know mm-hmm. with just different cuts I, I like the whole, uh, you don't know who Willie Nelson is. And then the opposite of that is she's explaining Hannah Montana to him. I thought that was cute. In this time as well, we get one other flashback. There's only three flashbacks that we get. We get one for Tallahassee. We get one for uh, Columbus. And then we get one for Wichita. And Wichita, we get to see she's a regular femme fatale. And her and Little Rock are hustlers. And they do quite the convincing little job there, you know, stealing that gas station attendant's money. Yeah, and you get the sense of they've been on their own for a long time, and this is how they're getting by. And which is a strength in Zombieland because there are no rules. You know what I mean? Uh, survival of the fittest. We get this other moment that happens where, uh, so where are you headed? And we're headed to Pacific Playland. That place blows. And then we get that look from uh, from Wichita my, my mind. mind. Was a good and then right after that, well, not right after that, then Columbus, uh, he, he inquires about, uh, he inquires about Ohio. And then you have Wichita coming back with, let's play the quiet game because it's definitely quiet in Ohio. It's a ghost town. That place is burned to the ground. And then you have Tallahassee giving that look right back to Wichita that she gave him just a few moments before that. Yeah. yeah. And, and so we can see that, that the edges are, that the ice is starting to thaw a little bit, that these characters are starting to reveal a little bit of respect for each other. Yeah. And cause it is about survival, right? And they're, they're starting to let their guard down just a little bit. If you notice as they're driving, uh, little rock eventually puts her head on Tallahassee's shoulder as they're sleeping. You know what I mean? There's a bit where Wichita is telling Columbus, um, oh, no, they're coming up on the car because he was going to go check out Columbus um, to take off his seatbelt. 
and he does. And in the back, if you watch Woody Harrelson's uh, reaction, it's pretty funny. Mm -hmm. So have either of you either been the person to say it or been in a car with someone saying to you, uh, let's play the quiet game. Oh yeah. All the time. I have kids. Parents, parents do that with their kids. I've had people say that to me a few times. Yeah. Shocker. This coming from the guy who had to be told to shut up by the magicians. Yeah, one time uh, I was driving for a college conference with a group of college students, and we're driving from Seattle to Spokane, which is about a five-hour trip. And I think about 20 minutes in, someone asked if we could play the quiet game. So I had to be quiet for four and a half hours. The sisters reveal they are going to Pacific Playland Amusement Park in Los Angeles, an area supposedly free of zombies. After learning his hometown has been destroyed and his parents likely killed, Columbus and Tallahassee decide to accompany them to the amusement park. When the group reach Hollywood, Tallahassee directs them to Bill Murray's house. Tallahassee and Wichita meet Murray, uninfected and disguised as a zombie. And they play a prank on Columbus and Little Rock by having him pretend to be a zombie, only for Columbus to accidentally kill Murray. Columbus soon realizes that Buck was actually Tallahassee's son who got infected and died as a result. So Columbus decides that he's going to tag along. He's done. He's not going to go to Ohio. He's accepted the fate. He wants to be with these people and... You know, maybe get that sense of family that he's never had. And so they make their way out to L.A. Before they get to L.A., they go to the that gift shop. And I got to say, I watching that for the first time, I could not believe what I was watching because somebody set all that up. And that was a lot of stuff to set up. Oh, my gosh. Only to have it become a complete mess like that. Holy moly. Uh, what happens if they want to reshoot it? They got to reset everything back up, right? Mm-hmm. That's fucking crazy. That's a one and done. Yeah, maybe. I like this bit too because Tal- uh, because Columbus wants to make an impression on Wichita, and you know uh, Tallahassee kind of calls him out on it, and you know Columbus is putting on perfume or cologne or whatever it is. And I love the bit when Tallahassee turns his back and then Columbus douses him. And you you knew right away that was a. Bad idea. I know. And Woody Harrelson's line, I love that. I used to say it all the time to people. You get 45% power. <laughs> he hits them. And then they get to destroy shit. Very satisfying to, to watch them gleefully, gleefully trash the place. Well, like uh, Tallahassee says, you got to enjoy the little things. And you got to blow off steam, obviously, because, I mean, could you imagine living in that world? Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Did you catch as they were leaving, uh, Wichita turns and says, do you get anybody smell perfume? Yeah. Nice little callback. So we get to LA and I like how Tallahassee goes and wants the map to the stars houses. Uh, and I love that all the zombies were like dressed up like Marilyn Monroe and Charlie Chaplin. Like you would see when you're walking down that boulevard, all those people dressed up in those costumes. Yeah. 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 It's LA, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, they go through Beverly Hills, and they come upon Bill Murray's house. Uh, What did you guys think of this whole sequence? Well, first of all, do you know who actually owns that house? You mean it's not Bill Murray? It is not really Bill Murray's house. 
It's really owned by a person named Lee, and I, I'm going to butcher this name, Lee Nenjar's house. And he is a wealthy Puerto Rican real estate investor. I guess he's been on a TV shows and different things. Constructed in 2008, it's 33,000 square feet, costs $13.8 million, has nine bedrooms, 17 bathrooms, seven kitchens, an Olympic-sized swimming pool, and a recording stool all inside that house. It's a big house. So it's great that they got to use it for the filming of this. Oh, sure. But it's, I mean, it's Beverly Hills, right? There's a house like that on every corner. Pretty mm-hmm. much. Yeah. Were you guys shocked? Uh, was I shocked about the Bill Murray bit? Yeah. When I first saw it, yeah, I was like, no fucking way, Bill Murray? Yeah. I and- really thought he was going to be a zombie. I did too, and then when she, uh, when Emma Stone hits him, I love Woody Harrelson's reaction. He's so funny. He's so excited that it's actually Bill Murray. He totally, right? fa- totally fangirls. Oh, totally. And uh, I love the whole bit where he's like, yeah, I, I dress up like a zombie because, you know, zombies usually don't mess with each other. And I started laughing because that takes me back to Shaun of the Dead because there's a bit in there that they kind of do the same thing. And... um when he says, yeah, I, I walked right onto the river. I played nine holes and walked right onto the Riviera. I thought that was so funny because I can imagine uh, I can imagine Bill Murray doing all that. Did you catch that he said that he saw Eddie Van Halen? Yeah. And he's a zombie. Yeah. Which kind of goes back, calls back to what you mentioned earlier. They put in a Van Halen song. Oh, right. Yeah. Hour. Yeah. I thought Bill Murray's whole interjection into this movie Really, I mean, it seemed kind of out of nowhere, but it really added some funny parts to the movie, like when they were so praising him and reenacting certain movie scenes, things like that. I guess he wasn't even the first one that they approached to do a cameo in this movie. Do you know who some of the others were? Uh, there were a lot of them, actually. Who was the first one? Uh, I think Patrick Swayze. Oh, right, before he got diagnosed with cancer. They were going to yeah. try to do some kind of ghost reference. And uh, it just didn't work out for him. Yeah. But, I mean, Bill Murray works for sure. And, you know, Little Rock's like, who the fuck is Bill Murray? And so Columbus and Little Rock find Bill Murray's screening room. And, of course, they're going to watch Ghostbusters. And I love the line where he says, oh, I'm so excited for you. This is where you're going to – this is where you get to find out who you're going to call. It's Ghostbusters. (laughs) I liked Tallahassee's line – when uh, Little Rock said, who, who the fuck is Bill Murray? Do you remember what his line was? I don't hit kids, but that's like asking someone, who's Gandhi? And she goes, who's Gandhi? <laughs> I thought that was good. And so, you know, <laughs> Bill Murray and Tallahassee and Wichita party for a little bit, and then they decide that they're going to scare Columbus. And as soon as they said this, the first time I watched it, I thought, oh, fuck, they're going to kill Bill Murray. And I kind of got angry about it. And when it happened... I kind of got angry about it. And because I'm like, he's gone so fast. Yeah, I'm like, why the fuck even do this? Blah, blah, blah. You know that's a bad idea. Yeah, why Why did, did anybody think it would be funny, especially knowing that Columbus carries a gun with him, to go have him scare him? Columbus does what 99% of the people would do if that happened. You know what I mean? Shoot first. Yeah, absolutely. You fucking, you're in a zombie apocalypse. You're living in zombie land. There's a zombie. What do you do? You fucking shoot him. Come on, guys. But you notice he shoots him in the chest, not the head. Well, that's just that's just bad aim, I guess. Mm. But I do have to say, when I watched it again last night, when he shoots him and then the interaction 
I laughed this time. I thought it was fucking funny when Woody's poking at his chest and Bill Murray looks at him and says, that's still a little tender. <laughs> uh, apparently, Bill Murray had no lines after getting shot. That was all ad-libbed. Everything he says, especially his very last line, which is, do you have any regrets? Right. Garfield, maybe. I thought that was funny. So Bill Murray dies, and they... They set him off. They do a little gun salute, and then they roll him off the patio. I like when during the gun salute that they have to stop because Columbus only has a double barrel. <laughs> and then they send him off. And now we get uh, a Monopoly game, and it's the four of them bonding. And this is where we find out that Buck was actually Tallahassee's son, mm-hmm. and it, it grounds it a little bit more, and... It, it it brings a little bit more depth and understanding, I guess, to Tallahassee's character. And why he really hates the zombies. Right, right. Uh, one thing that was mentioned during this Monopoly game, did you catch the references to Facebook? Yeah. And the fact that, was it Jesse Eisenberg went on to star in that and win an Oscar for it? He didn't win an Oscar for or what, it. Didn't he win something for it? Asshole of the year, maybe. Maybe. Or some, they won some award for it. The Social Network? Yeah. It was nominated for a bunch. It might have. I'm not sure. Yeah. But yeah, he plays Mark Zuckerberg in that. And so when he says it, you're like, wah, wah. Mm-hmm. There was the bonding scene between Tallahassee and Little Rock of them shooting and him kind of showing her how to, you know, breathe when you pull the trigger. And there was a lot of that going on with this bonding with the different characters. Yeah. And they split it up and they intermix, which is good because we don't get too much of Columbus and Wichita or too much of Little Rock and Tallahassee. We switch it up. And this one, it's uh, Wichita and Columbus, and they're talking about their 1997. And I thought this was a, a tender moment, but I knew, I knew that Tallahassee was totally going to cock block him. So. Mm-hmm. You saw that coming a mile away. Yeah, you knew they weren't going to get their kiss yet. Right, because, you know, there are rules, and it's at this point that I think Wichita thinks that Columbus has gotten too close, or maybe Wichita is starting to feel for him, so she's got to break it off. You know, they have their night, and then... They take off early the next morning. I didn't feel like they stole the car. Well, I mean... They took the car without asking, without them knowing, so... Well, they just decided to take off, really. I, ju- I guess I just didn't feel like... They they, they just didn't want to say goodbye. Yeah. Right. I, and I don't think they stole the car either, because, I mean, Bill Murray had a fucking garage full of cars. Yep. So it's not like they left them without a mm-hmm. vehicle. Although, I will give you, uh, Tallahassee really likes his big rigs. So he might he might have felt that. And he had taken time to paint the three. Yeah, I know. Despite Wichita and Columbus falling for each other, Wichita abruptly leaves with Little Rock for Pacific Plainland the next morning. Columbus decides to go after Wichita and convinces Tallahassee to join him. At Pacific Playland, the sisters activate all the rides and lights, only to unwittingly draw the attention of the multitude of zombies in the area. They become trapped on a drop tower ride as Tallahassee and Columbus arrive. Tallahassee lures the zombies into a game booth and kills several as Columbus heads to the drop tower. He evades and shoots through a horde and safely helps the girls down. Wichita kisses Columbus and reveals her real name, Krista. The group then leaves Pacific Plainland. Roll credits. 
So we arrive at Pacific Playland. What do you think of the idea of the fact that they were going to turn on all the rides and all the lights and all the noise? Do you think that was a good idea? No, it's never a good idea. Absolutely not. And Wichita kind of knew it because when they're driving earlier on, she says, I know this idea is crazy because people on the West Coast think that the East Coast is zombie free and people on the East Coast think the West Coast is zombie free. And that's that's what happens. Right. But come on, man. Common fucking sense is you're going to light up the whole fucking amusement park. Guess what? You're going to have zombies. I'm just shocked it took the zombies long as it did to get to them. I kept wondering how they were getting on and off all the rides without someone around to start and stop the rides. Oh, I think that if you have to think about that, then you've lost the whole point. Yeah. Um, because I thought the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> but I you just, go with it. I just thought it, it was on a timer. Yeah, I think, I'm. yeah, maybe. I kind of thought that too, but then when... Uh, when Tallahassee gets on that little roller coaster thing, he has to push the button to start it. No, he doesn't. He just jumps in because the next car comes out. Oh, I thought he had to hit a button. No, all of the rides are going because Tallahassee holds on to the thing that turns him around. Yeah. What uh, what Wichita does is she runs up and hits the button on that drop tower. Okay. But she hits the button, and I guess there's a delay. And we're way overthinking this. So, you know, out of all of the uh, kills in the amusement park, which one was your favorite? Mm. I really enjoyed watching Tallahassee when he was swinging around. Uh, I enjoyed the effect of the uh, zombie being kicked off uh, by Wichita and we watched the zombie fall to the ground. I thought that looked really good as well. I also thought that we are uh, having um, the huge horde that's around the uh, the uh, the yellow booth, watching all the different r- ridiculous uh, posing antics that Tallahassee was doing. It was I rem- a lot of fun. I remember thinking that one was my favorite. Then watching it again last night, I was thinking, how does none of those bullets hit the fucking mesh thing and bounce back and shoot him in the fucking head? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why the the one that kind of gave me the oh fuck was. When uh, Columbus jumps over the barrier with the two zombies chasing him and they get hit by the swinging ride. Oh, my God. And I thought, how does he do that? How does he fucking time that just right? But if you look at it, he looks up to see that thing go back. So I think he does time it. And that's a great kill. Now, when they're going through all this and when you know Tallahassee and Columbus arrive and Tallahassee starts drawing all the zombies towards him, was there ever a time, especially the first time you saw this movie, they thought... Maybe Tallahassee's not going to make it. I did. As soon as he uh, locked himself in that room. And there were so, so many zombies around that booth. I was thinking, oh, man, they're going to fucking kill Woody. That's what I Before thought, too. Before he gets his Twinkie. Yeah. But they didn't. No. I and love, I love him for it. I love the fact that they swerved us in a later scene of going back to that and also just seeing all the zombie bodies around the end of it. I also love, while he was in that booth, the way that he... You know, kind of almost was it a James Bond type style where he ran out of bullets and he just slammed the guns down on the next ammo. And oh, I thought of D- Desperado. Desperado, yeah, good call. Yeah. Good call. Um, and so Wichita and Little Rock are stuck on this ride. I'm not sure that was the smartest place to go. I kept thinking that too. First of all, they do two stupid things, I think, during this. One, why did they crash the Humvee? Why did they crash it into the water instead of driving around the park? They jumped out. Yeah, why'd they jump out? Because they, the 
zombies were they had already broken the window couldn't they have slammed on the brakes either gotten them off or just driven around until like looping until they flew off did they listen to columbus and put on their fucking seatbelts? no okay there you go they do a couple of stupid things like you were saying let's turn on the fucking power but yeah getting on this fucking drop tower and then as it's lowering i thought this the suspense was pretty good and then i was thinking wow they're not very good shots Mm -mm. and what has a fucking shotgun so what did you guys think of that whole bit? I just, again, I just thought it was like, what were they thinking they were going to accomplish by being up there? And then, of course, we have the callback. Uh, exhale, squeeze the trigger, and bang. We have all these zombies climbing up, and they're getting knocked off. Uh, this is something I wanted to bring up earlier. I'll bring it up now. All of the blood in this movie is CGI. It's all done. There is no practical blood effects in this movie whatsoever. Did that bother either of you at all? Well, there were definitely some times that you could see where the blood did not look real. What about the actual prosthetics? Are you telling me there was no blood on them? No, I'm talking about any blood splatter. Any oh, kind yeah, of- it all looked fake. Yeah, and you know what? I didn't mind that because, again, when we were talking about it earlier, this movie had video game type effects in it and scenes and things like that, and that even made it feel more video game to me. You know, when I see that and I see fake blood, my first reaction is, oh, it's fake blood. It doesn't take me out of anything. Agreed. Uh, uh, Rambo, the fourth one, as when he's taking fools out with that fifty cal, you can completely tell that it's fake blood. But you're having so much fun, you don't fucking care. Yeah. And this is the same thing. This was like the, one of the number one complaints of people online was the use of CGI blood, and, and it didn't bother me at all. Well, people complain about silly things. Yes, they do. So, of course, again... And I don't know is it, if this is a callback or if this is a foreshadow, but you know what Columbus was going to have to face on his way to saving the two women. And it had to be a fucking clown. Yeah. Uh, and it had to be Wichita stuck and a fucking clown in front of him for him to realize sometimes it's okay to break your rules. Yeah. And what's the rule he had to change? Don't be a hero. Became be a hero. And he does. And what I appreciated about this whole bit is it's quick. It's two hits. He grabs the fucking mallet. I thought when I first saw this, this was kind of going to be a long, drawn-out chase sequence or something, and something clever is going to happen. But no, they just get right down to business. What do you think overall of the pacing of this movie? Oh, it's fucking brilliant. It's an hour and a half. Yeah, it's, it's nice and fast. I think if there are any bits that drag, it might be the Bill Murray bits after he dies and maybe the driving just a little bit. So I, I was a little surprised to see the uh, the zombie clown take that first shot to the nads. It's like, oh, so zombies do have a pain threshold, apparently? I guess. In this world, apparently. On it, and I don't know if it so much hurt him, but just the force and the momentum knocked him down. Yeah, the inertia of the hammer swing. Yeah, and then I love how it comes down and it just impales his fucking face. I thought that was good. And so uh, while this is happening, of course, there are zombies trying to climb up and get Wichita and Little Rock. And I like the bits when the zombies fall and their heads go splat. And like you were saying about the CGI blood, I didn't care. But I thought it was I thought they were good little bits. And there was one where the the ride drops again. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but it cut a zombie in half. Yes, it did. Mm-hmm. The legs go inside the tower and the torso goes outside. And we get a little blood splatter on the camera. I thought that was a nice touch. So Columbus saves the day. 
They kiss. Finds out her name. Tallahassee's alive. What do you think when Tallahassee finds the fried Twinkie shop? Oh, I thought this is not going to end well. Right. It's just not going to. And when they get in there and Columbus. Here's a noise. And they and he shoots the door. I thought, oh, fuck, there's going to be another zombie. We're going to have to draw this out. So I, I like that there wasn't another zombie. But as soon as uh, they open the door and the Twinkie boxes all shot up. Columbus is so apologetic, right? He's like, I, words cannot explain. And Tallahassee just stops him and says, no, it's too soon. <laughs> and then uh, Columbus hears that the car is leaving. And they think that they're taking off again. I think they were just getting ready to go. I don't think yeah. they had any intention of leaving. I, this time. I think they were pranking him at this point. So, yeah, me too. Because uh, Wichita even says it when they come to rescue him. We better start working on our apology. And you knew, too, that uh, when they were going to walk up to the doors, they were going to pull the hole, lurching the car forward. Oh, who doesn't? Right. I do that to you guys. So, uh, And then a nice little touch. Little Rock throws... Tallahassee, a Twinkie, and all is right in the world. Do you know what was special about that Twinkie? It was a vegan Twinkie because uh, Woody Harrelson is a vegan. Yeah. Uh, he, even in his contract, uh, put in there that he wanted to have like vegan menus during the filming of this. And also one spe- special stipulation was for one week, the director had to only eat a vegetarian diet. Yeah. And the... Uh, the director said that it was the toughest week he's gone through, that it really makes you crave non-vegan things. But I think he continued it on for 11 months after that. Yeah. And then we get the Columbus line. You know, he started with a narration. He's narrated through this whole film. And then he gives us our farewell. And I remember thinking to myself after this movie, I hope there's a fucking sequel because I had that much fun. Yeah, it, it it's, uh, it's a really fun watch. And that. Was Zombieland. Remember in that other movie when Aragorn had to go talk to all those ghosts that kind of reminded you of zombies? Oh, fuck. And now it's time for John's... Moment. This is the point in our podcast where I take whatever movie we are reviewing and compare it to the greatest movie series ever made. Lord of the Rings. In Zombieland, each of our four characters are on their own journey. Columbus, at first, is on his way to find his parents, but really he's looking for the family he's never had. Tallahassee is really just trying to deal with loss and getting the kill of the week. Well, also to find a damn Twinkie. Wichita, she's just trying to protect her little sister, and Little Rock just wants to grow up and make it to a zombie-free Uh, Pacific Playland. So which one of those is our Frodo? If I had to focus on one, I would say it's Columbus. It's his actions in the beginning that brought all of them together. And I feel like he's the one who kept them all together in the end. So Columbus is our Frodo. That would make Tallahassee his Samwise. He's the one who protects Columbus, encourages him, and has his back even when he just wants to punch him. Tallahassee's skills with weapons and zombie kills makes him our Legolas. With his grumpy attitude, you could also say there's a bit of Gimli in him as well. When I choose a Gandalf in my comparisons, 
I look for someone or something that best advises our Frodo and puts him on the right path. The closest thing to a Gandalf in this movie that I could find was actually Columbus's list of rules. His rules are what kept him alive and kept him going all of this time. As for Wichita and Little Rock, well, in the beginning, they come across as mostly comedic foils for our two main characters. Later on, they demonstrate their own zombie killing skills and importance to the fellowship. So for them, I chose Merry and Pippin as their comparisons. That would make our fellowship Columbus, Tallahassee, the list of rules, Wichita, and Little Rock. The closest thing to Gollum in Zombieland, I think, would be the zombies themselves. They are only focused on one thing, eating. They don't care about anyone else. Therefore, their food is their precious. Sauron, the big bad of the movie, is the thing that works against our heroes. In Zombieland, that would make the zombie infection our Sauron. So what is the precious? What is the one ring? In Zombieland, the ring is represented by the concepts of trust and mistrust. Columbus is very trusting and it both helps him as well as gets him in trouble. Tallahassee is the opposite. He's tough to trust anyone and this keeps everyone else at a bit of a distance. Both Wichita and Little Rock have a hard time trusting others, yet also are willing to repeatedly abuse the trust of others. So it's not until the end of the movie where the characters give up their mistrust of each other that they move closer to becoming a real family. And there you have it, my comparison of Zombieland to Lord of the Rings. Bring on the grades. Mm. Mm. A plus. That's a hard one because, I mean, you got four characters and, I mean, I don't know. Okay, so, hey, whoa, 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 buddy. Let's uh, let's calm down there, guy. Uh, What do you think, Professor? I kind of like the idea that the infection could be Sauron kind of sort of. As for the, uh, the zombies being Gollum, I guess I could see that too. Kind of, sort of, right? Because, you know, they're just selfish in what they want. Yeah, and then uh, would you have the sisters as Mary and Pippin? Mary and Pippin, because they were kind of like, I, I couldn't fit them in any of the roles. I thought they were kind of mostly comedic foils. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to say comedic foils. However, if I had to compare them to a duo in Lord of the Rings... I probably would have put them more as Legolas and Gimli together. Likewise, that's what I was thinking too. You know what I mean? And not that, you know, Merry and Pippin is a horrible, horrible parallel, but, you know, this one was tough. I'm going to give you a C. I was also thinking that um, Tallahassee, not only would he be Sam, but I thought more of an Aragorn. Ah. Right, because he's, he's kind of sort of the big bad, the big badass, if you will. Yeah, is he, uh, he's good at his business is kicking ass and business is really good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the only reason I didn't choose him for that is I didn't see him as the king. While he was great in this movie, I saw him more of as, as a skilled fighter. And who's our best skilled fighter in Lord of the Rings? Aragorn. I thought Legolas was best with the weapons. Oh, I think Aragorn would kick Legolas's ass. In bow and archery? 
in a fight. Okay. Yeah, I, I feel like that. That's just me. Okay. That's just me. I think Aragorn is a more well-rounded fighter. Yeah. I would. I would think. Yeah. But you know, so I gave him a C. I think I'm going to give a C plus. Hey, there you go. There you go. Go ahead and chew on that. And that was John's. Moment. All right, what do you guys think? You guys ready to rate this flick? I think I'm ready to rate this flick. John, are you ready to rate this flick? I'm ready to take a bite at it. <laughs> that, you know, the writing's on the wall, right? I mean, you throw up the softball, you hit it. Good job. Uh, professor, how do we do our ratings? We do our ratings on a scale of one to five fucks. Five fucks is a movie that we think is cinematic gold. Anytime somebody says, hey, you want to watch Zombie Land? Fuck yeah, I do. A one fuck movie is you've seen it and you're probably never going to see it again. There's no really redeeming reason that you want to see it again. And what's a zero? A zero fuck movie is a movie where you get done watching it and you're thinking, oh, for shit's sake. What the hell was that? Why would you make me watch that? I want one hour and 28 minutes of my life back. Or in other words, we just don't give a fuck. All right, my man. Your pick. You go first. Zombieland. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh. Before I start, Don. Fuck, I got it wrong last week, didn't I? Do you want to redeem yourself? You said earlier, you know my rating. I do, and... You You don't have to. If you're scared, you don't have to. It's okay to be scared. It's time to nut up or shut up. Um... I am, though, a little bit uh, weary because of what you said about your marriage, so I, I don't want to piss Julie off. I think that you are going to give Zombieland three and a quarter fucks. No, no, no. 3.75 fucks. Final answer? It's my final answer. Okay. Zombieland expertly combines horror thriller with comedy. The performances in Zombieland are undoubtedly one of the film's strongest aspects. Jesse Eisenberg felt born to play this role. He brings this neurotic charm to the role of Columbus that perfectly embodies the character's anxiety-driven survival instincts. But for me, it was Woody Harrelson that shines the most as the charismatic and zombie-killing expert Tallahassee, infusing the character with equal parts humor and vulnerability. Emma Stone and Abigail Breslin both deliver strong performances, but there is little doubt that they were overshadowed, in my opinion, by Jesse and Woody. The comedy elements of Zombieland are exceptional, balancing perfectly between dark humor and absurdity. The film cleverly employs visual gags, witty one-liners, and hilarious situations that provide laughs throughout the film. The film's visual style while a combination of movie, video game, and comic book-like aesthetics further contributes to its overall appeal. Zombieland also stands out as a parody of the zombie genre, while paying homage to the classic zombie films such as George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead, it also subverts the traditional zombie tropes and adds its own twists. It's almost a movie that playfully mocks itself and the genre while providing just such a, a great exploration of the idea of a zombie apocalypse. The film's use of rules 
and the exaggerated violence and character interactions with the zombies all contribute to the successful parody status. Some of the folks online complain about the computer-generated blood, as we talked about earlier. I didn't mind it. It gave the movie an additional video game-like feel during the zombie kills that I, I appreciated. So to sum it up, Zombieland is a highly entertaining and well-executed horror comedy that manages to breathe new life into the zombie genre. It even went on to inspire other TV shows and other movies that gave that kind of comedic twist to the old horror-type horror movie. With a talented cast and, a cat and catchy, quotable writing, the film strikes a good balance between humor and horror. So this is one of those movies that I honestly believe I could rewatch repeatedly as well as its sequel, Double Tap. So for those reasons, I'm giving Zombieland 3.75 fucks. Bang! Fucking nailed it. I'm back, baby. Which, I'm shocked. I figured... I don't know. Well, the wife told me if I gave it, because originally I was, I was even thinking of going as high as 4.5, and she said we would be divorced if I gave it that high. Wow, there are so many things that I could say there, but I'm not going to. But I also rethought, and while it's a great movie, it's not the greatest movie out there. There are other movies, even comedy horror movies, that I would want to see before this movie. So while it being a great movie, it got knocked down to 3.75. Because your wife told you to. I got you. That too. I, I got you. Uh, speaking of whipped, do you want to go or you want me to go? No, I'll go. That, that makes sense. Zombieland is a fun watch, and having this movie that I hadn't seen, it's probably been a year or so, it still holds up. Each time I watch it, it is very satisfying. It moves along at, at, at a very brisk pace, and because it moves along at a brisk pace, and we have uh, the, uh, the sprinkling of the rules throughout the first half of the movie, it makes it for an entertaining watch. Uh, I really thought that Columbus was a very sweet character, but Tallahassee steals the show. I think that he's my favorite character. Wichita and Little Rock, they bring their own as well, and I think that those characters are very rich as well. And the four of these, by the end of the movie, they very much make up their own family, and with that, it is a satisfying conclusion, despite what should have happened after the credits roll a little bit, where they should have... where. Wichita should get a little bit of a talking to. Was that really the best idea? Firing up an amusement park? Putting yourself up into a tower so you could eventually starve to death or die from the elements? I mean, come on. Those were some, some pretty hinky choices. And so other than that, I thought that the movie was fun. And the uh, the, the attitude and, and that that the movie has with the humorous uh, quips that go back and forth between the characters, the music, and not necessarily sticking around for any one thing too long. I think it's a solid four fuck movie. Four fucks from the professor. Well, I guess that just leaves me all alone in Zombieland. You go next. Thanks, buddy. I really enjoyed this film. I like the pace. I like the way it's stylized. I like the cast. I thought the four had great chemistry. Um, you know, not being a huge fan of Jesse Eisenberg, I thought he did fine in this uh, part. Could have been interchanged, as we have been saying all night. The soundtrack was good. 
Their choice of needle drops were fitting. It moved very well at an hour and 28 minutes. And I really enjoyed this film. I like zombie films, and this is definitely in the upper echelon of zombie films for me. So I'm giving Zombieland 4.25 fucks. Bam. We are all right in the same wheelhouse. Pretty much. Four and a quarter fucks from me, four fucks from the professor, and 3.75 fucks from the comic book guy. That gives Zombieland an average of four solid fucks, which puts it in the 11th spot with Dodgeball, Edge of Tomorrow, Clerks 2, and The Batman. It is slightly better than Moonrise Kingdom, The Suicide Squad, True Lies, and slightly worse than Violent Night, Clerks 3, and The Fifth Element. So between Zombieland and Edge of Tomorrow, which uh, post, or which dystopian style movie do you think you might like better? Zombieland. What about you? I agree, Zombieland. I, I, I am really torn between those because I have many moments that I enjoy in Zombieland, but I also have many moments that I enjoy in Edge of Tomorrow. Well, you have to ask yourself, are you a zombie guy or an aliens guy? I am definitely not a zombie guy. So I think your heart would kind of go more toward well, that's why tomorrow. That's why I'm torn. All right. That is going to wrap it up for this episode of Three Guys in a Flick. If you would like to know which movie we are going to be reviewing next, please check out our website. Speaking of which, hey, John, where can they find us? They can always find us at www.threeguysinaflick.com where we post all of our show notes. All of our podcasts are available there. We have movie trivia. We have blog posts about just different aspects of the movies. And you can even go there and suggest a movie you would like to see us review next. You can also find us at all of social media as well as any place that hosts podcasts. All right. I just want to thank Zach, Ronnie, and Jill for listening. Keep on listening. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Ronnie. Thanks, Jill. And I want to thank anyone else who listens and who has suggested a movie. If you keep listening, we'll keep recording. For three guys in a flick, I'm Don. I'm John. And I'm Ken. And remember rule number 32. Enjoy the little things. Thanks for listening. Not as good as Zombieland, but... That's what I just said. Oh. What do you think I said? You said it was so much worse. I didn't think it was that much worse. Oh, it is. I just like Zombieland better. Of course you do, because Double Tap is so much worse. Oh, man. Did I put you on the spot? Yeah, that's just rude. (laughs) Now you know how it feels. Who interrupts like that? Now now you know how it feels, don't you, dick? (laughs) Now I got stage fright. Thank you for my music. I figure you need the lead in, but then you break it. In our continuing... I keep talking. Damn you. Today, Junior? You made me lose my place. All right, what do you guys think? You guys... All right. Well, it's better to rule in hell than serve in heaven, isn't it? Well, that's what Danny McBride thinks. Oh, yeah, because he's with Channing Tate. Yum. Different strokes for different folks. Um, Which apocalypse...
Which apocalypse would I want to live in? Well, if it's hell on earth, then obviously I'd want to live in Zombieland. At least in Zombieland, I got a shot. Yeah, but you go to heaven because you're such a good guy. Oh. Get your tongue out of my ass, Gary. What you got? Well, I have four. You have four of them? I have four, and I want you to pick the best one. But before I go, Professor, what did you pick for a porn name this week? I didn't. You know, one of these days he's just going to come out and give us one, and that's why we're going to keep he asking him. He, once in a while, he brings us in. I there. know. I know. That's why I don't say shit. Yeah. Okay. I, I think I got one. What do you, well, let's go with yours first. Yeah. Well, fuck. You have four, dude. Okay. I want uh, you to pick from my dad, Yeah, dad. dad you told, told us. Um, mine is Zombie Clit. Yeah. You, you know, you fucking, I know. It's I know. okay. It's, it's not bad. So you'll tell me which of these four you like better. Yeah. Zombie Blonde. Yeah. Zombie bang. Yeah. Zombie lay. Yeah. Or zombie landing strip. I was just thinking about that when I was looking at the title. I'm all landing, landing, landing strip. But that's, yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to go with zombie bang. Yeah, I kind of like that one too. That's yeah. not a good porn name. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be one I'd watch. A lot of zombies banging? A little bit of necrophilia or something. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Taking it across the line there. You're making professor over here blush like a little girl all right may all of your uh days and nights be filled with happiness all right fuck off good night